Hey, welcome back in to Talks on the Catechism of Catholic Church of David O'Gray. In this talk, I'll be walking through Chapter 3 of Part 1, Section 1, called Man's Response to God, which is, you'll find it in paragraphs 142 through 184 in the Catechism. In the previous um, two talks leading up to this one, we discussed why and how man has capacity for God and how God fills that capacity with revelation about himself for the purpose of man's salvation. Right. Now, in the final parts of this section called I Believe, we will discuss um, the natural response that the creature ought to have in light of their creator's revealing his love for them and inviting them into a courtship. The Catechism of the Catholic Church calls man's response to God moving towards him the obedience of faith. That is, paragraph 143 states, By faith, man completely submits his intellect and his will to God. With his whole being, man gives his assent to God to reveal it. Sacred Scripture calls this human response to God, the author of Revelation, the obedience of faith. The Catechism then goes on in the next paragraph, 144, to state that according to the root word in Latin, the, the word faith, a word obey, um, in faith is to submit freely to the word that was heard. Because its truth is guaranteed by God, who is truth itself. If you get anything out of this chapter or want to contemplate anything more deeply, you do well to consider this Catholic teaching on the, the essential, the essential character of faith. That faith is not a noun. It's not a person, place, or thing. It's not an adjective that describes or modifies nouns or pronouns. Rather, faith is a verb in this context. Faith is an action word. The Catholic understanding of faith is that faith is alive. Faith is moving. Faith is always propelling the receiver of the gift of faith to rightly respond to the love of the author of the gift. Um, in life, as we ought, when someone gives us a gift, our natural response to receiving a gift is some sort of uh, thanks offering, right? Either by word or by gesture. Perhaps um, if it's like a gift beyond measure, we might be compelled into fealty or some type of duty to the person who gave us the gift because the gift was so great that there was nothing that we could give back in return um, than the very service of our life. Similarly, when God moves towards us, our natural response to is to move in a direction that he compels us to, which is both towards him and in a direction that he is calling on our life. In the case of Abram, the word of God was heard by him, telling him to go from your country and your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make a great nation of you, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And like how Jesus told um, his apostles, he who listens to you listens to me. God told Abram, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. The text then says that after God revealed Abram all this, the text says um, that so Abram went. And scripture uses those three words, those three simple words, to convey a most powerful teaching about the obedience of faith. That hearing the word of God should move us radically, without any fear or apprehension or worry. Because the truth of the word we heard was guaranteed by God. 
that reality really bespeaks of how amazing God is. Contrast this with just a, a purely human experience. Like, for example, my mother who lives in Kentucky, she could, she could call me on the phone right now. And she could say, hey, hey, Brock, um, as she calls me, uh, <laughs> I need you to come see me. I want to give you your inheritance. And you betcha, right? I, I go see my mother. But there's no guarantee that when I get there that there would be any inheritance because things could change. Like she might spend it or it could get stolen or there's no guarantee that she'll even be alive when I get there. Such is not the case with God's word. His word is always true and trustworthy. Um, the calling upon the Blessed Mother Mary is another example which proves that, that faith binds us to actively obeying God. In fact, paragraph 148 of the Catechism calls the Virgin Mary the uh, the, the perfect embodiment of the obedience of faith. After the angel Gabriel delivered to her the word of God, um, what was Mary's response? Right? She says, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Then when Mary visited, visited Elizabeth, um, she greeted Mary by saying, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And it should not be that hard to just accept that, that just by reading stories found in scriptures or by studying the human spirits, that, that faith, that, that faith that, that takes a person like Moses shepherding or sheep or like Philip sitting under a tree, that person who was not moving and aspires and compels them to move, or, or takes that person who is not moving or moving in the wrong direction, like, like Jonah or Paul, and inspires and compels them um, to, to move in the right direction. That, that's faith. It shouldn't be that hard to understand that. That faith moves you. Yet you should be aware that there are people who will accuse Catholics of believing that we need works to save us. That we do not believe in faith because if we did, we wouldn't believe that we need works. <laughs> it's really such a silly thing. I hate to have to address it during this talk. But you should, uh, you should know about it. The reason why the author James says in chapter 2, verse 17, that faith without works is dead, is, is because of faith that does not obey God, a faith that does not move, a faith that does not wake up and do something, a faith does not turn and move in the right direction, is by definition a faith that is dead. Because faith is not real unless it is actively obedient to God. The faith versus works thing is really such a, a silly dichotomy, such a, a trifling errant distinction that it is really something that only a 500 year old religion that was created with the sole purpose to um, protest against Catholicism could come up with. It's really that silly. In reality, the Catholic, in Catholic theology, we do not have a works based salvation concept. Such a thing is really com completely formed to our, our understanding or our soteriology or our eschatological theology. We do not believe in a distinction between faith and works, right? We don't believe that, there, that there's a distinction in, in the character of faith. The character of faith is that it compels us to be, be obedient to God. And if someone wants to call being obedient to God a work, and we believe that those works save us, then fine, you got us. But that active characteristic of faith is the same thing we would say about the other cardinal virtues of love and hope, both of which are actions and both of which compel and inspire us to move within the will of God, who is the author of those virtues. Yet, 
those people dare not say that they believe in love alone or that they believe in hope alone or that there is distinction between love and loving or a distinction between hope and hoping. The problem is that faithing <laughs> needs to be a word. And then perhaps they'll understand what the author James said, that faith of our works is dead. If you start reading from the top of chapter two, all he's all James is doing is, is talking about what it means to be obedient to God. And that if you have faith, this is what your life will look like. It will be obedient to God. You'll be faithing. The catechism says in paragraphs 169 and 171 that the, the church, um, who like a mother, faithfully guards the faith, teaches it, and hands it down from generation to generation. Because the she, the church, is what Paul called her, the pillar and bulwark of truth. If there were multiple truths, perhaps there would be multiple faiths. But because there's only one Savior, there is only one faith, one baptism, one priesthood, and one church. Indeed, it is through the liturgy of the church, it is through the liturgy of the Holy Mass, that men and women find a par excellent example of faith as obedience to God. Because it is there. Through its rhythm of responding to the word of God by standing and sitting and kneeling, confessing, praying, active listening, eating our promised inheritance, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and, and then being called to go into the world to give away what we have just received, that, that we find ourselves imitating Abram and Mary and Paul and the entire communion of saints. It is in the mass that we find that our faith is fully alive. And that God is using a gift of faith that he gave us to be conformed to the image of his only begotten and beloved son, Christ Jesus. In the next talk, uh, we'll be starting our journey through the Nicene Creed, um, beginning with the profession, I believe in God the Father. Thank you for watching.